You're listening to the Greencast Advisory Podcast. I'm Glenn Kirby, the Technical Manager for Syngenta UK and Ireland, and here is where you'll find me talking about the content in my turf blog. They'll be short and to the point, so put on those headphones and have a listen to what I've got to say this time. April 2021, frequently asked questions. Yep, time has come round again. It's the end of April and I'm going to give you my monthly update on what my phone has been ringing about. So April 2021, I mainly spent the month talking about two things, how dry it is and how damaging leather jackets are. So we start with dry and the cold weather. There is no getting away from the fact that April 2021 has been brutally dry and cold. I brought some data out on this month just to get my head around just how dry it really has been. And you can find that in uh, my blogs. And I did a podcast on it yesterday, actually. So you may well have listened to that already. Whilst it's been a record year on the rainfall front, it's not actually that unusual. If I look back over the last 11 years, I know 11 years seems random, but I put in 2020 uh, back to 2010 and then realised it's actually 2021. So um, I kept the extra year in as a stat. But if we look back over those 11 years, the dry ones have outnumbered the wet ones nearly three to one. The agronomic odds are very much in favour now of dry Aprils. I think we're still hoping for April showers, but sadly they don't seem to be the norm. One thing that really did surprise me though was just how cold this April was for a sustained period. Now I knew it had been cold, but the cold temperature, unlike the rainfall, definitely isn't the normal. And whilst we're seeing some colder, drier springs, And I'm sure the rainfall will grab the headlines. The cold temperatures were the real problem for the turf industry, particularly when most people were desperately in need of some growth to help recover from the problems with the leather jacket activity they are seeing. So the cold weather leads me nicely onto Primo Max and timings. How do we time these growth regulators? Several questions about that. And a few of you were very surprised when I put a blog out earlier in the year about the use of Primo Max and when to start. And you can find a link to that on my blog. Um, And in that blog, I said I would delay applications on greens until we saw consistent growth. Now, spring for me is a period to get some consistency into greens and growth is an important part of that. We go through a wide range of temperatures and there's many situations where we beg in for some growth actually in the spring it's unusual where we're not asking for some um it's very rare we say we've got too much through this april period um and through this challenging period of the year i take as much of that growth as nature will give me on greens particularly but on those wider larger areas i'm really happy to double down and let nature suppress growth and pgr's plant growth regulators assist too When we do that, it enables us to save the labour, save fuel and keep out of golfers way a little longer. And to my mind, that is all a benefit. But the question that I've been asked this month is when do we apply that second one? If we went at that kind of beginning of April period, assuming everything was going to take off and it's just gone cold, what do we do? 
when do we reapply it? And for me, this is exactly where the benefit of using a 200 growth degree day model with a base temperature of zero is really worthwhile. Using that model, it's accurately counting through this period, um, this period of cold temperatures, it's accurately knocking those off. If you applied early and you're unsure when to reapply, go on the Greencast GDD calculator and work out 200 growth degree days from a base temperature of zero from the time you last applied. And that's a good time to reapply. And um, if you're using that six degree base temperature still as a GDD primo calculator, it really doesn't work well through these periods. And it doesn't work well because that six degrees base temperature is the temperature that we cut the GDD model off at. So anything above six degrees registered, anything below six degrees doesn't register. And what that will tell you is all through this month, we've had an average temperature probably around or below six. So it simply doesn't log the numbers. So from that point of view, a six degree base temperature is assuming that you are losing no primo throughout that period. And that really isn't the case. You've got UV light still, you've got microbial activity. There is some plant activity going on. All of these things are happening. The primo is slightly degrading, but it's doing it slower. It doesn't just stop. It will stop if you put it in a freezer at zero, zero degrees, and that is what the zero base temperature is doing. So go on to Greencast. Use 200 GDD, base temperature is zero, and that is a good time to reapply. Okay, leather jackets. Now, April feels to me now like the crunch point for leather jackets. This feels like the biggest challenge to hit this industry for a while. And I'm looking at the data submitted by people back in January. And I'm increasingly of the opinion that mild temperatures are the more likely we are to see damage. Now, I'll put a map up in the blog that shows the data we got from that survey we did back in January, showing the people who reported a significant loss of turf. And what's really interesting for me is the significant loss of turf reports are all very much accumulated in the south, along the south coast. There's a few in some other areas, which are all generally coastal areas, more mild regions, but they're predominantly around the south coast now taken a map from the Met Office website, which is a really useful resource that you can go on and pull all sorts of different data and it's all turned into really nice maps for you. But there's a map on the website, uh, sorry, on the um, blog that looks at this and the correlation between the milder areas through that winter period and where we're seeing significant pieces of damage from these leather jackets is, is a trend that I think is really worth uh, investigating further. Insects are very much temperature driven. The more mild it is, the more active they are going to be. The cooler it is, the more likely they are to stop. So it makes complete sense that the warmer areas of the country are going to see longer periods of leather jacket feeding. And it's something really to think about with your location and the challenges you have. And uh, we've got some work to do there to understand it. But what really concerns me about this is I know how cold this spring has been, and I suspect these cooler temperatures have really held that damage at bay. And as we see milder winters, which seem inevitable when we look at climate change and all the challenges that's throwing at us, it becomes clear to me how much work needs to be done in order to let us as an industry sleep easy in the spring. I put an article together with Bigger on this this month, uh, so that's going to go into Greenkeeper International very soon. Just keep an eye open for that one. We've tried to write it so that it can be shared 
with your golf club members and your secretaries and your chairmen's of greens. And uh, we, we've got some more work going on with that at the moment. We really need to raise awareness to the wider golf industry on the challenges on this one. But that brings me nicely to sheeting and leather jackets and sheeting. So Greenkeepers are a very innovative bunch and it's great to see so many of you out there reacting to the challenge and adopting some old school cultural methods in sheeting greens to control these leather jackets. It's a couple of words of warnings from me though, just things to be careful about when we're looking at this and to bear in mind whilst this is all going on. There is an assumption that old chemistry kept things 100% clean and there didn't used to be any leather jackets in our root zones. I don't think that's an accurate assumption. When we look back at some of the older advice, STRI put some advice like this together in 2017. At that point, they were saying, and I still agree with them, that a threshold of 16 leather jackets a metre squared was deemed acceptable and didn't need any chemical application. And that would have been a level that wouldn't have impacted the quality of the turf. Now, if we do the maths on that based on an average size 500 meter square green, if that's 8,000 leather jackets living in that green, that the work had been done to prove that that was deemed an acceptable level and wouldn't have impacted the turf quality. Now, as we've gone through this journey and we've lost some chemistry and we've now got a celebrant on an emergency authorization and some restrictions involved there, we've really upped our game on what we're doing here and we're trying to look at this harder and harder and understand the problem better and better. But I think one of the that traps we can fall into is we've suddenly developed this zero tolerance to leather jackets. And if we're putting some sheets down and we're pulling some leather jackets up, that's deemed as an absolute failure. It really isn't. If we go back only three years, the advice was saying if you have 8,000 of them in your greens, that was deemed an acceptable level. That was deemed a level that we didn't need to apply chemistry. Now, I'm not saying that's the right figure, but it's certainly not zero. We don't need to have a zero tolerance to this pest. We can't tolerate loss of turf, absolutely, but we've got to find a better balance. And clearly, this pest can do a lot of damage, but we've lived with them for a long time in our sports. And we probably didn't even know they were there a lot of the time. Even with those older technologies, I suspect we were dealing with very similar numbers to we are now in many situations. And we just weren't aware of it. The danger we've got with our increased awareness is they will get blamed for everything. All of a sudden, leather jackets will become the excuse for why things aren't growing at the moment. No, it's not growing at the moment because it's cold. Um, I'm really happy with this raised awareness. I'm really pleased I've been part of getting people involved in looking deeper to try and understand. And in the long term, once we get a firm handle on this and we can get things back to zero, I'm convinced it's going to lead to healthier surfaces. And then we'll be in a much better position than we were previously. But what we really need to be careful about is that we don't overreact to this situation now and suddenly convince ourselves that we need zero tolerance to these pests. And yeah, it's very important because I'm seeing so many people undertake this practice. And for lots of you, it really is essential. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do this. I'm saying just think about it. One course manager has been good enough to share his labor figures with me. And that's fascinating when you look at it. For him to spray all surfaces with a chemical before. Now, this is all surfaces would have taken him around 17 hours. But to date this year, he has spent more than 360 man hours adopting this sheeting method. 
that doesn't feel sustainable for most venues to me. And I think we need to get back to the older philosophy of understanding what is a sensible threshold. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think I can tell you what those figures are at the moment. The more people throw information at me, the more I can pull that together. But if we're going to chase this zero tolerance with leather jackets, then the amount of labor required and the disruption to golf are going to be hugely limiting factors. I'd love to get us to an absolute zero tolerance where we can wipe these things out so we don't have any impact on turf health. I suspect we've never, ever been there before. I think we can work to get closer to, towards it, but it's not a quick and easy journey. So keep logging those sightings in Pest Tracker that you might well see through the month of um may which is almost on us um we haven't really seen any pest tracker or flight of any significant numbers yet it's beginning and i suspect as soon as those temperatures warm up we'll see things taking off so keep logging them keep letting us know what's going on keep telling me what numbers you're pulling out of greens we will be in a better place in the long term for this i believe but please don't go chasing zero tolerance now i think we are making a rod for our own back a little bit of good news to finish. Um, a Celebrina has been granted an emergency authorization for 2021. Uh, over the next month, I think on the 6th of May, I'm doing something with ICL, doing a launch there, and look out for that one. Um, we'll be supporting that with lots of technical information about the emergency authorization, what's involved, how to get the best out of it for chafer grubs for now. I know a lot of you want it for leather jackets and we have applied for that emergency authorization. We are still awaiting a response um, and we will let you know as soon as we get a positive out of that later in the year. So that's it for now. Fingers crossed for a warmer and wetter May and um, look after yourselves and stay safe. Hope you enjoyed the podcast version of Greencast Advisory. For more content like this, check out the Greencast Advisory blog and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, take care of yourself and thanks for listening.